What is up? Welcome. We are back on Football Life Presents the Audible on this Tuesday, May 25th. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my pink shirt wearing co-host for this episode 59, Matt Bushnell. Uh, you know, we've been doing this number game for a few weeks now on the show. 59, a traditional linebacker number. I don't think any other position would wear that. Maybe maybe a center or something, but there's got to be a legendary bear of some kind who wore 59, right? Legendary bear, you say? Well, you know, I saw Rosie Colvin's name pop up and I'm like, you know what? I love Rosie Colvin, but you know whose name I recently saw and I didn't even think about it? Chico, Ron Rivera, baby. Oh. Panthers head coach. I, I, I love Chico. Great man. I met him a few times. Absolutely wonderful human being. Ron Rivera, maybe uh, you can use that connection and get him on the show for us. That'd be quite the get. Uh, <laughs> um, the two, I think, of two linebackers off the top of my head for number fifty-nine. Uh, recent, re- recently retired All-Pro linebacker for the Carolina Panthers and Luke Keekley. Um, and then London Fletcher was a damn good linebacker for the Washington Football Team for a long, long time. One of the best tacklers of this century. Uh, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but a damn good linebacker uh, in his own right, and definitely held his own for for a really, really good career for London Fletcher. Um, baseball wise our friend Vince Mercandetti's favorite first baseman Luke Voigt recently switched over to number 59 Um, he's going to love that I call him his favorite first baseman but uh, it was 45 you signed Garrett Cole hey that's Garrett Cole's number you gotta switch now Luke Voigt wears the you are most useless baseball number of all time 59 uh, appropriate for his style of play. All right, Matt Bushnell, uh, we have some news, all, uh, recent news this hour. Uh, we're going to start the show off with, I didn't even put it as a rundown, but I got the update when we were doing the pre-show. The NFL is expected to have fans at training camp, and 30 of 32 teams have gotten approval to have full capacity at stadiums this fall for the 2021 season. That is huge. I That, that tells me that where we are in society right now, there is a light at the end of this tunnel known as this coronavirus pandemic. We had very limited fans last year, if at all, uh, unless you're in Texas or Florida, where there really wasn't fans at games last year. This is going to make a huge difference on the outcome of games, on players. I just, I, I missed the fans last year. Matt, I know that you played football at a pretty high level, I would say. The fans are so important to this game. I mean, this is huge for the players. You feed off the energy, man. There's nothing yeah. like making a big play, and then you hear the crowd start to explode and pop. Um, very much what they do in wrestling a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you live for that pop. But sometimes, I tell you what, the craziest moment is when you're standing on the field and there's thousands of fans in the stands and you do not hear anything because you're just so focused. Mm-hmm. It is such a surreal moment. And then when you're on the sideline, you're like, man, it's loud in here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I am excited, Randy, for the fans being back. I, I'm glad the country is heading in the right direction as far as opening things back up. It, it seems like we're going on the right path. And football with fans, I like watching it at home because the best seat in the house is your couch. 100%. But, but having that environment that you get to see it's so exciting i can't wait yeah even you know i watch red zone primarily on sundays so i don't get the full fan experience per se but watching a sunday night football game and hearing alan chris on the call with no one in the audience that that really was a weird experience so now you get back to that especially i looked at week four matchup with the patriots and bucks like i I want fans in there for that game and 100 like i i watched the knicks uh and the hawks game the other day madison square garden had fifteen thousand people in it like that felt the most normal crowd possible 
cool. So I want more of that. That 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 to me means we're we're doing the we're heading in the right direction here. And I'm so excited to watch football again um, with fans in the stands. I don't know if I'll attend because, like you said, the best the best uh, viewing experience for football is on your couch. But I do enjoy the fan aspect of that viewing experience. Yeah, and just- uh, Corey Richmond, Jack Jack Ham, number fifty nine, by the way. That's a good call. Jack Hamill's yeah. a great linebacker. And just for those baseball fans out there, the Brewers are going to 100% capacity next week. Well, if you live in Wisconsin, in the Milwaukee uh, area, then, you know, go go see a Brewers game. I've heard that ballpark is beautiful. So, uh, all right. Uh, whatever. I don't know. I've been at both Chicago stadiums and I enjoyed myself. So I, I didn't, I didn't take the 45 minutes. There you go. <laughs> All right. We're going to start off with some of the news that we had on the schedule here, Matt Bushnell, because uh, we got blessed with some, some of the things to talk about yesterday. Let me tell you um, Julio Jones, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons uh, gets a phone call from Shannon Sharp when he's live on undisputed on FS1. And I don't know if this was a work or a shoot for our wrestling fans out there, but nonetheless, it made me uncomfortable, but, Shannon Sharp calls him, has him on speakerphone, says, hey, Julio, are you going to stay in Atlanta or are you asking for a trade? And he says, no, I'm out of there. Kind of shocking the NFL world. Like there were rumors that the Falcons were looking to trade him. But now it seems like Julio himself has demanded a trade and wants out of Atlanta. Matt Bushnell, what did you make of this whole situation? It's weird to me. It really is, Randy, because you take a look at the Falcons and initially you think, okay, you need to rebuild. That's why you would trade Julio. But this team still thinks that they're going to compete. And if you were going to compete, I have to question your mindset of drafting Kyle Pitts and not taking a defensive player, which you obviously desperately need. I don't think we'll argue that Pitts was the best player on the board at that pick. But at the end of the day, what are you trying to do here? I I think your philosophy in the draft is a really good one. You know, trading back is always the best one. And the best maneuver. And I give full credit to you on that. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Depends where your team's at. But I agree with it in this situation. If you think that you're going to compete with the 36-year-old Matt Ryan, you got him for four more years, you think. The best option is to keep Julio, Calvin Ridley. Um, I forget the tight end they have. It's going to kill me. It's not Hunter Henry. They just drafted Kyle Pitts. And they, um, Hayden Hurst is the guy you're probably trying to think Hayden of, right? Hurst. Yep. They, Yeah, so, I mean, the Kyle Pitts-Hayden Hurst duo is pretty good at tight end, but, you know, the defense, there's nothing really a lot, there's not really a lot there on the defensive side of the ball. No, at some point, I think what we've all seen from these Super Bowl winning teams is the ability to stop a team, get that key third down stop or sack the quarterback, and Atlanta doesn't feel like they have those pieces to do those things. I mean, they give up a ton of points, they blow a lot of fourth quarter leads for whatever reason. And you look at this team and you're like, I don't see them competing with Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay is just stacked from top to bottom. And you want to see yourself compete. If Tom Brady plays until the age of 50, you got some problems on your hands, Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know what Atlanta is doing here, because if they really do want to win, why wouldn't you keep the your best player in franchise history and Julio Jones, uh, who's been there for 10 years and you traded all the world, like traded so much to get to trade up to draft him in 2011, the sixth overall pick. Um but Julio is 32 now. So um, now the question is, what could you get in return for Julio Jones? Now, 
I think Julio Jones is still a damn good wide receiver. And he, uh, I think the team is looking for a first round pick in return at least, which is smart. I think that um, you look at some, some trades in the past um, in the Odell Beckham Jr. trade and the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I think that, you know, you can uh, figure out ways to do it. And um, even the Stefan Diggs trade, uh, you can argue that Julio Jones warrants that sort of return still. He has a base salary of 15 million and it's fully guaranteed this season. Uh, it's going to cost the Falcons 23 million against the cap in 2021. Um, if the Falcons move him before June 1st, there's that thing that um, this splits the dead cap money between this year and next year. So it could save them some money if they moved him by June 1st, which is next Tuesday. So this could happen pretty quickly here. Um, you know, Julio, I, I look at his career. It's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, 10 years with, with the Falcons and his stats are, are, are incredible. I mean, he's looking at a hall of fame pace uh, on his career. If he's not already solidified that, and he should have a Super Bowl ring. He had one of the more ridiculous Super Bowl catches you'll see in that game that kind of got forgotten, but you know, what are some teams Matt Bushnell you're looking at that could trade for Julio Jones? And do you think the Falcons would even trade him in the NFC? Cause I have my doubts. Yeah, the NFC is a tough sell. If I had to guess a team or two, I, you know, Dark Horse, maybe Packers, um, you know, to try to appease Aaron Rodgers. Or maybe you take a look at a team on the West Coast. Arizona's interested there. San Francisco's sniffing the water. The Rams just have no, nothing to trade. They, they have nothing to give Atlanta besides Aaron Donald. Well, I don't know what the Niners have to trade either, you know? Yeah, I mean, you they mortgage their future for Trey Lance. So then we go to the AFC, and Leon Tompkins has perfect timing here. Um, <laughs> one of the co-hosts from the Step Back podcast and Basketball Life. It, it, the Ravens seem like the most logical fit for schematic reasons, you know, for need. But I go to the Colts. I go to teams like you know, Dark Horse, the Dolphins still, even with yeah. Jalen Waddle, that would be a big upgrade with Waddle and um, Julio Jones. Uh, but to me, I just go back to the Colts. I, I think the Colts need him badly, and that's the team that should pull the trigger on this. Yeah, I mean, if you're an AFC team, I can't think of too many that would be, no thanks, we don't need Julio Jones. <laughs> uh, I think the Chiefs are probably on that list. Um, the Bills, even like the Bills, even I think could honestly put him opposite of Stephon Diggs, and that would be ridiculous. But um, the the Broncos with Cortland Sutton coming back seem to be pretty steady at wide receiver. But for the most part, every team could use Julio Jones, and that's about what they have to offer here. The Colts have the financial room for him. They have the draft capital for him, and they have the need for him. So that's the trifecta for me uh, with the Colts. And having a new quarterback in Carson Wentz, you don't really have a number one wide receiver. I think that's a perfect fit. The Ravens, the only thing that scares me is is the Lamar Jackson aspect of it. Julio might push back, but he doesn't have a no trade clause. So ultimately if the Ravens offer enough, they could say, all right, we well, are going to Baltimore. And I think that would be a good fit because they, they definitely need a wide receiver one. The team I would look out for, and it's a team without a, a number one wide receiver and a team that seems to be in limbo because of their poor draft strategy. And that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Gruden, uh, we talked about fans being back in the stands. They're going to have a packed capacity at Vegas, and that is going to be a beautiful stadium to have full uh, and a great spot for a football game. They're going to need to bring some more excitement than what they currently have on the field. What better way to do that than pair Derek Carr with Julio Jones? Um, I think Gruden is looking to make a splash. I said I predicted Aaron Rodgers to get traded to Vegas I still think Vegas is looking to make a move here I don't know what it is but I would not be shocked if Vegas is all in here on Julio Jones 
You know, I, I forgot this aspect with Indianapolis here, but um, they if Carson Wentz takes seventy five percent of the snaps, they actually have to send their first round pick to Philadelphia next season or okay. next draft. So that may complicate things a little bit here. But if I'm Indy, I look to move heaven and earth to get Julio Jones in these scenarios. I think he would make such an impactful presence to that offense that can't be discounted. Well, I, I think that 75% number is interesting because I wonder if they could control that, <laughs> you know, and just say, hey, we're going to let you play 74% of the snaps <laughs> <laughs> and pull uh, Kawhi Leonard and do some load management with Carson Wentz. Uh, <laughs> I can see it. That's all I'm saying. I can see it. It, it would be uh, unprecedented. Yeah, that uh, would be interesting and see how that goes. So I want to just quickly, before we move on, the Shannon Sharp segment, Matt Bushnell, did, what, did you, what did you think of it? Because to me, immediately, I, I went to school for journalism and reporting. Like that, to me, is a huge no-no. You always tell your subject when you're recording or when you're alive on TV. There was no mention of that. But then it started to come out like Julio didn't exactly seem to care, and he still said it anyway. So do you think this was a pre-planned thing on their part because they're friends, or do you think Shannon Sharp kind of did him dirty a little bit? Shannon Sharp's a player's guy, first of all, so I don't think he would ever put him on the spot to do that on air. I think, let's face it, one, if Julio Jones does not know Shannon Sharp is on national television at yeah. that time, when it is well known throughout, you know, sports, that that's when Shannon yeah. Sharp is on the air. I think it's a work, man. I, I honestly do. It, it was cringy to me just because yeah. it felt staged. There, there's no way that Shannon does that to him without him knowing, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm putting you on air. Julio is one hell of an actor, I will say that, because uh, job well done on his part. Uh, Leon says Jones to Tennessee puts them in the Super Bowl. It's interesting because AJ Brown recently posted on social media, kind of pushing him like, Hey, come to the Titans and play with me. And AJ Brown, I think is the young receiver that reminds me the most of Julio Jones, except he's just not as fast. So AJ Brown would probably have to give up that number 11. Uh, if Julio were to be traded to Tennessee, I don't see it because Tennessee has uh, bigger issues with defensive side of the ball, but offensively, man, they would be hell of uh, they'd be a hell of an exciting team if they had a Julio Jones. Yeah, I don't know if it puts them in the Super Bowl, though, because you take yeah. a look at teams. Um, so it gives them A.J. Brown. And I think A.J. Brown is a lower tier one, high tier two wide receiver. Mm -hmm. um, you, you still got to go against Kansas City. And I think Kansas City is still a better, is a more well-rounded team than Tennessee is at this point. I, I trust Mahomes over Tannehill. I like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey over what they have to offer there. And they still have weapons galore, even with Sammy Watkins leaving, who was pretty much a non-factor. You figure right. some of these guys are going to step up. So I, I like Kansas City better than them anyway, it, even if they got Julio Jones. Yeah, I'll give you the three teams that I could see making a Super Bowl run if they acquired Julio Jones in the AFC alone. Baltimore, we already talked about that. They desperately need a wide receiver one. Um Indianapolis, they need a wide receiver one. I love their offensive line. I love their defense. I think that he could put them over the top. And my team, who I already think is going to make, represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, it is the Los Angeles Chargers. You pair him with Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. Look out, that Chargers team would be insane. They would be so stacked that I think the Chiefs would struggle with them, to be, to be frank. Well, and they also, the Chargers still have Mike Williams. So yeah. um, it'd be interesting. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> 
All right, that's enough of Julio Jones talk. But speaking of players who want to get traded, um, your favorite player, Aaron Rodgers, still in the news. This is his first, uh, did his first football-related interview since the news came out that he wanted out of Green Bay. Uh, he did this with Kenny Mayne, who was hosting his last ever Sports Center after 27 years. Shout out to Kenny Mayne, always entertaining watch on ESPN. But Kenny Mayne did get right down to it and asked Aaron Rodgers, "Do you want to be traded?" And Rodgers didn't exactly deny it, but he did say. He still likes Jordan Love. Uh, he loves the people he plays with and works with, but he, there's a disconnect there between him and the front office, and we knew this already. Seems like he really does not like Brian Gutekunst and a couple other high-end player VP guys. So some things might have to change here in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers is still going to be a Packer week one. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like a reasonable person to me, you know, like he's not the type of guy where I would be like, you know what, this can get worked out. To me, this is like a bridge too far that's crossed too far. I, I don't think mm -hmm. that this is a guy that cut out his entire family from his life, just said no moss. I don't like yeah. you people. And that's it. They're done. So to me, it's either you fire Gunnkust or you know you trade Aaron Rodgers, and both are really dangerous precedents to set for your team. If you give Rodgers what he wants, and you fire the GM, all right, where does it stop then? Just give Aaron Rodgers your franchise. Let him make the draft picks. Let him build the team. Right. You know, if you trade Aaron Rodgers, anybody that's ever happy or unhappy in your organization with the front office, you're setting that precedent. Like, all right, well, you know, we're just going to get rid of you. Right. This is just a, a very hard situation. I do think at the end of the day, Aaron's going to get traded just because he's not going to play. I, I firmly believe that he will not play for the Packers if Brian Gutenkunst is the GM of that team. I, I think he, I think Aaron Rodgers is a bad liar. Uh, that's what I think, because he can say that he likes Jordan Love, but ultimately this all started when they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. There's no way in hell he might like Jordan Love the person, but he hates the idea of Jordan Love being on the Packers because they clearly did not believe in him and they drafted a quarterback to be his successor uh, as soon as maybe this season coming up, but they did not expect Aaron Rodgers to an MVP. And here we are in this situation. Rogers in the interview uh, said in general, he said, it's just kind of the philosophy uh, that makes people, and it's the, the people that makes things go. It's about character. It's about culture, doing things the right way. To me, that's the saying, I don't like that they drafted a quarterback when they did, even though it's exactly what happened between me and Brett Favre. <laughs> uh, and I don't like now that it's happening to me. Uh, I, I think that Aaron Rodgers comes off as a little bit of a crybaby here. And you can't say it's about the people and then criticize the people who brought in all the people who kind of make it work. You know, <laughs> I know the Packers have been one of the more steady, well-run organizations in the league uh, for 50 years. They've had three legendary quarterbacks, essentially in a row, uh, which no other freaking franchise could even come close to. And they only have two rings to show for it in the last 30 years. So I think it's a lot of built up frustration from Rogers in that aspect. Um, but I, I just don't see, and, and this is, 
you go to the Patriots, for example, they didn't give up their whole entire franchise for Tom Brady and he won them six Super Bowls. And if you're not going to like, and then it, and that's the right move because Brady was pushing 40. You're taking your chances here and saying, Brady's not going to play forever. What we have in place could exist beyond Tom Brady's playing career. It's the same thing here. Aaron Rodgers, 37 years old. You're not going to fire a guy who has done all, all things considered a pretty solid job. I think you could, you could criticize him in certain aspects of it, but the Packers were in the NFC title game last year and they probably should have won. Um, and Aaron Rodgers does not escape blame for me in that game. So um, they easily could have represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. And this, this feels like Rodgers is being a little bit of a crybaby. Uh, and, you know, Matt Bushnell, I don't know who he's going to end up going to. You still read the Broncos and other teams still interested, but ultimately I have no idea how this is going to shake out i so big picture here i think the problem with this situation is that he is 37 years old you don't want to give up a guy that can win you a super bowl right now so you're sacrificing the now for the future Mm -hmm. but here's the thing you may not get as much in return as you could right now like if the broncos came to you randy and they offered you patrick sertain drew Locke and three first round picks for Aaron Rodgers. Are, are you going to say no? No. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, taking that and run. They can just give me the three first rounders. I don't even need Drew Locke because I drafted the guy that I want. They don't. There are stories that Jordan Locke. Well, I know that they still invested in him enough. They, they kind of have to give him a chance. Yeah, well, you could bring in Drew Locke as an insurance policy. Look, yeah, that's fair like Blake Bortles I mean that guy you know (laughs) yeah Leon brought up um if you trade Rodgers Devontae Adams is gonna have to go too and I I don't doubt that either you know he already said as much yeah yeah. (laughs) he said that if you're gonna maximize the return for what you could get for these guys look Devontae Adams and we're gonna see him on a list that we're gonna pull up he's pushing 30 years old I mean like we talked about with Julio, he's 32. Wide receivers can play a little bit longer, but yeah. the Packers could, in theory, give themselves a window here, and they could get enough draft capital to move up and get a quarterback that they really like, or they can be bad enough to get a quarterback without having to trade and still keep all those draft picks that they're going to acquire. To me, the Packers are in a no-win situation here. It's nice to see some organizational dysfunction from the Packers as a Bears fan. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie. This brings joy to my heart, and I'm sure Leon's happy to see this drama in Green Bay as well. So, I me, believe there's a phrase he would say right here if he was on the show with us. Do, do you want to do the honors? I, fuck 12? 100% is what he would say right here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I'm going to go on a limb, Randy, and I say Aaron Rodgers plays for the Denver Broncos next year. Okay. Tell you what, I, I would like Denver a hell of a lot more uh, if they have number 12 under center for them coming up. Um, we'll see what happens there. And, and he even said that, it, you know, that weighing retirement is one of the options that he's on the, has on the table here if, if they don't make a move. And he's already sitting out OTAs. Um, and I, would, it be, would I be shocked if Aaron Rodgers retired? Honestly, no, because he's a weird, eccentric kind of guy. And he's already had a hell of a career that, you know what? I could see him trying to uh, extend his career elsewhere, maybe in the Jeopardy world, maybe trying to get his luck in acting with his fiance being an actress. So uh, we'll see what happens there in Rodgers. Uh, but before we move on, Matt Bush, I don't know if you saw this, but Kenny Mayne 
with a message to Aaron Rodgers on behalf of the entire NFC North, uh, where he sent him off with a big F you in the segment. Uh, he literally said the words, fuck you, to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it was glorious, but it was because Rodgers advised Kenny Mayne to invest in cryptocurrency, and cryptocurrency was down over the weekend, and Kenny Mayne was just taking a shot at him. But you could just take the snippet of him telling Rodgers, fuck you, and just say, this is from the Bears, it's from the Lions, this is from the Vikings, and much of the NFC, to be honest with you. So uh, I don't know if you got to saw that, but that was a pretty funny moment. I miss that. I, I hope they have it on YouTube so I can go check that out. That That's worth the price of admission. <laughs> Kenny Mayne, one hell of a career for him. Uh, he's going to be missed. All right. Uh, now we have another dysfunctional quarterback to talk about. And in this situation, honestly, I have no idea what is going to happen here because I don't think I've ever seen something like this shake out in lifetime. Uh, but Deshaun Watson has not shown up at OTAs for the, the Houston Texans. It is not uh, expected for him to do so. Uh, he still remains adamant that he wants to be traded uh, and the Texans are just still hold, uh, sitting back saying we're going to let the legal process uh, play out here. He is currently under investigation by Houston PD under the uh, I believe more than 20 sexual harassment and assault allegations against him. So this uh, honestly Matt Bush, well, this is one of the more I don't want to say like seriously random situations I have ever seen in, in the sports world. I just I have no idea what happens here. You, you and me both, Randy. I think as a team, you have to think long and hard about what you're trading for here. Um, there was a report I read, and I have to be really careful, so don't take this, you know, as gospel here, but take this as, you know what, go, go look it up yourself. Maybe, I'm, maybe I misread it, but when the first allegations started coming out, he did this to another masseuse, another massage therapist. Like, I hope to God that is not true. Because you talk about, I mean, it, it might come out that there's an addiction issue here, which that's not totally unheard of. You know, people struggle with certain things. But yep. my God, if, if, if this is true and that person's not lying, I, I don't know what you do. I don't know how if you're an NFL team, you can go to your owner and say, we're going to trade for this guy. I mean, right now it's toxic. It's toxicity to the max. I think you have to leave it alone. Let this play out. And if that means he's on the Texans this year, he's on the Texans. I guess the most logical thing that happens here, if the investigation continues, and I suppose, I guess nothing is supposed to happen in the court of law until early next year, which obviously, uh, is a little bit of a problem considering the NFL calendar and the season starting in September. Um, he still has not been placed on the commissioner's exempt list, which I think is probably the most likely of scenarios where he is just put there, not allowed to play, just kind of existing in that land until something shakes out illegally because um, he obviously, I mean, I'm sure if he showed up to OTAs and decided to play, the Texans would be like, great, let's, let's play Deshaun Watson. I don't think the Texans mm -hmm. are sort of, uh, the beacon of morality, but, um, they would certainly sign up to have Deshaun Watson playing quarterback regardless. What's interesting is that it, there are still teams interested in trading for him. And that has been reported by several people in NFL media. Um, if you're the Texans and this thing is becoming a bit of a mess that it is becoming, why wouldn't you just try to just get something for him before he becomes uh, basically untouchable? Yeah, I, I think you, you got to think about long and hard and you have to know the player. If you believe he's innocent and you, yeah. you believe everything <clears throat> that he's saying, 
you, you can't sell low on him. You, you just can't because it will cripple your franchise. And, and maybe that changes his mind a little bit. Maybe that builds some goodwill. Like, okay, you know what? This team believed in me when no other team did. Um, or, you know, whatever the logical thinking is there. But, man, I just – if I'm Houston, I got to take a look at this situation – it just really depends. Do you believe he's guilty or do you believe he's innocent? He's been in your building for four years now. Yep. You, you, you got to know what you got. And if you think he's guilty, absolutely. You sell whatever, if you, if it's only a handful of third round picks, you take a handful of third round picks. If you believe he's innocent, you don't settle for anything less than three first round picks. Yeah, I mean, before all of this, the asking price was, what, five first-round picks? Because he's a 24-year-old top three quarterback in the NFL? You can only trade four, Max, I think. Okay, so you you were asking for four. Um, Now I bet teams are interested because maybe they're trying to to think maybe we can get this guy for quarters on the dollar and maybe give up one first-round pick, you know? Um, You know, Philly's got three first-rounders next year. Why would they be like, yeah, we'll give you one of them, and if he turns out and he is this predator and monster that he's being accused of and he goes to jail, we gave up one of those picks. It's still not ideal, but I think it might be worth a shot for a team like that. I I agree. If Only if you got – multiple first round picks i wouldn't do it if i had two but if i had three like philly like you said it's not ideal you'd hate to do it but at the end of the day if he's innocent if there's an inclination of innocence there yeah no and and for the record i don't i don't lean either way innocent or guilty i think he should be on the exempt list and i think this should play out in court before you know we make any um, decisions i i don't believe him that you know, this didn't happen, but at the same time, the yeah. man has the right to have his hearing in court. Yeah, I mean, the, the old phrase is innocent until proven guilty, and I, I try to believe that, but also at the same time, I have to take these things seriously. Um, I, I can't just dismiss them based on because I'm a fan of football and I'm a fan of him as a player. You know, that, that's just inhumane to me. So, uh, yeah, probably a commissioner's exemplist for Boston, and I wouldn't be shocked if he sits there all year until something shakes out in the court of law. But and it's going to be a long time before we know the future of Deshaun Watson in the NFL, and the future for Deshaun Watson might, you know, be out of the league, unfortunately. So um, we'll, we'll we'll obviously keep you guys updated when we, we get more about Deshaun Watson. But we have uh, some less serious news, kind of hilarious news, to wrap up the news portion of the show, Matt Bushnell. And who could have seen this one coming? I feel like we should have a segment called "God." Let's pretend to be shocked for a whole segment. Um, but apparently, the Tim Tebow experiment isn't going great <laughs> in OTAs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, several reports saying the players are uh, shocked about how slow he is, how unathletic he is. Um, Albert Breer has reported that he spoke to several of Tim Tebow's former coaches, and they just say they have no idea how it'll work. Uh, and you know what? Urban Meyer is not going to come out and say that it's been a disaster, but I'm just going to say it coming out of camp, it, may, it seems like it's been a bit of a disaster. But He's the fourth string quarter uh, tight end. He didn't invest a ton in him, and this could just be a circus for a couple of weeks, and then you could just cut him. So we'll see if the, the Jacks do the right thing here. When Urban Meyer got hired, we had questions, you know, legit questions about how Urban Meyer would be as a, a coach. Yeah. And this was his first trial. This was his first test. Yep. And it is looking ugly right now. I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust Urban Meyer. Think about your decision makers here, Randy. Shad Khan and Urban Meyer. Yeah. I, you know, 
you lucked into Trevor Lawrence because the Jets decided to win a couple meaningless games against some pretty decent football teams. You know, they beat decent football teams. To, you know, hell of a time to decide to win a couple of games there, New York. But then, you know, you get Trevor Lawrence. You have, you know, one of my big blunders for a team that could have used a lot of pieces. You draft Travis Etienne in the first round when that felt like a reach to me. Like, you're uh-huh. picking high in the second round. Why are you drafting a running back here? To me, I, I didn't like a lot what has transpired so far with Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence was obviously the easiest pick to make. Then the rest of it just kind of felt like, uh, and this Tim Tebow thing was just god-awful, stupid, idiotic. You're going to take a player that has never played tight end in his life, and you're going to put him at tight end in the NFL. To me, I don't think people realize this, Randy, and I know we got into the whole situation where we talked about LeBron playing tight end in the NFL, you know, and I I have personal beliefs in it. It annoys me when people think that football is just this easy game, pick up a helmet and you're going to be great just like that. This game is hard as hell. Mentally, assignment wise, speed, these guys are running fucking Coke machines. And And it's full impact. So to assume that Tim Tebow, who's never played tight end at this level or the collegiate level, is just going to magically play tight end, and you're going to give up a roster spot for that, you know what? I, I know Leon says, fuck 12 for Aaron Rodgers. Fuck Urban Meyer. Because if I was a player on that team, I'd be like, you're an asshole for not giving that opportunity to a player that's been working his ass off at tight end his entire career. Look, I, I think Tim Tebow maybe could have made the transition to tight end when he first came into the NFL uh, 11 years ago. <laughs> hey, I just want to say that one more time. 11 years ago. The guy's 33 years old right now. He has not played – he hasn't even put on a helmet, a football helmet, since 2015. That's six years ago now. He has been trying to make the Mets, and he's realizing how hard it is to be a baseball player at a high level in the minors, let alone the, the big leagues – he couldn't even hit 200 in double A, which by all means is considered low end minor league baseball. And you have guys, their whole entire lives are dependent on how they perform in double A. And he's just there taking a, uh, an opportunity from someone who is probably more deserving. And it's the same thing here. Uh, if he transitioned to tight end with the Broncos some 11 years ago, maybe we're having a different conversation and maybe he's still in the NFL and he had a, maybe a, he had, could have had some success. Um, but this guy, like you said, has not even tried to play this position at one time in his entire career. He played a quarterback for a couple years. He had one year where he started 14 games for the Broncos. He was the worst passing quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. He won games just sheer on sheer um, fortune of a defense and being able to run with his legs. And maybe it is the grace of God that helped him win those games. I still am not 100% sure, but it is the ugliest throwing motion you'll ever see in your entire life. And now Jacksonville 
wants to throw them out there and say, let's see what you got. In theory, I don't necessarily hate it, but as you said, there are guys who have worked so long and hard to try to be in that spot and probably more deserving. Why couldn't you take a 22-year-old kid from a, a mid-major in college who probably runs a 4-5, who has a good hands, but didn't get shown as much on the national spotlight, so maybe he got missed a little bit, and give him a chance and see what he turns into. But no, you have to give Tim Tebow this opportunity, and look, if he's a disaster and you still put him on the team, you, you kind of get what you deserve at that point, because you know what? The football karma is real. And uh, you know what, if you're not good, you're not good. Um, I'll just touch on the Travis ETN part of this. Uh, the, the reports came out that they were having an ETN lineup in the slot. Um, so that is an interesting wrinkle here. If he, if they're not going to use him as run at running back and play him more on the slot, I, I kind of like it a little bit more, but yes, in theory, I, I really don't like picking a running back in that spot. And it seems like they did it to make Trevor Lawrence happy, which you know what, who am I to judge? I, I would, I'd be trying to make Trevor Lawrence happy at all costs too. Yeah, I, I get that. But if you want to do that, you could have had guys like Rondale Moore, uh, Bateman at that spot mm-hmm. to put in the slot, but you draft Etienne, who you arguably could have gotten at pick 33. Like, I mean, I, the bills would seem to be pretty interested, but yeah, he, he could have. Okay. It, you, you know what? You, you have enough trade ammunition to move up a few spots yeah. back into the first and get it. I, whatever you don't, you don't draft Etienne to put him in the slot. Like that, that, that's just stupid. It's, it's weird, but if he's versatile enough and has good hands, he, I mean, you can never have enough playmakers, but as far as capitalizing on your draft capital, it's not smart, but this is the same team. Uh, giving Tim Tebow a chance to play tight end in the NFL who when he hasn't played a snap in, you know, seven plus years in the league. So, and and it's a damn shame because this team has talent too. Like Jacksonville is not void of talent. I know a lot of people like to shit on them, but I mean, DJ, uh, do they still got DJ DJ shark? Shark. Yep. Uh And he's their one. Yeah. And James Robinson. And I forget the rookie wide receiver last year. Oh God. I can't. Uh, LaVisca Chenault. Yes there's talent there on that offensive side of the football. This is mm-hmm. just a damn shame. And, you know, Julio might have, you know, said that, Hey, I might be interested in going to Jacksonville. So I mean, that would add quite a bit of firepower to that offense. Yeah. So, yep. We're going to pretend to be shocked here. And uh, <laughs> that Tim Tebow experiment's <laughs> not going well in Jacksonville. Maybe ends up uh, on that new AEW show on Friday nights. Maybe that's the big splash, um, which, Hey, I'm sure he'd get ratings nonetheless. <laughs> All right, Matt Bushnell, now we're going to move on and we're going to talk some market value for some upcoming free agents. And you did the honors of making a nice spreadsheet, one with some colors, another with some oh, a bunch of random players who are due to make some money. Uh, and you wanted to talk about some of them. So let's pull that uh, uh, Excel sheet up and let's talk about some of them, Matt. Why don't you take it away? Absolutely. So, I mean, let's face it, the NFL is a glorified stock market. You know, we take a look at some things and like what, you know, we like to bet on futures, futures mm-hmm. here. So these are a list of free agents, whether restricted, unrestricted free agents, and what the market may be for them as they move into their free agency phase. And the number one player, and Randy, I find this to be very interesting. So TJ Watt, a 26-year-old outside linebacker is set to make, I think, the fourth or fifth largest contract for a defensive player in history at a five-year, $127 million deal. I'm not going to get into all the decimal points, but roughly it's about $25.5 million per year. Mm-hmm. Any way Pittsburgh pays that, 
I don't know if they have a choice. <laughs> um, I, I think TJ Watt is going to be a hot commodity if they don't. Um, I could see a tag for him um, in the upcoming free agency, especially um, if he has a so-so year this year, which he did fall off a little bit when Bud Dupree got hurt last year. I think that's important to note, but he has been stellar to this point in his career with them. He has name recognition. The fan base loves him. He's a lot. I think that, you know, that name kind of goes uh, places uh, these days. So yeah, I do think they're going to have to pay him. Now, is it going to eclipse that $25 million a year range? Look, the Giants giving Leonard Williams $22 million a year is not going to help any of these teams that are trying to get deals on these guys. Because T.J. Watt, that, that's a deal, all things considered, how much you're paying Leonard Williams. I would much rather give T.J. Watt that deal than give the deal that the Giants gave Leonard Williams. So that, to me, is worth it. I mean, he's only 26, uh, and he's been nothing but, but really good for your franchise so far. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting concept of paying defensive players that amount of money because while it's not quarterback money, we saw what the the um, reduced cap did to a lot of teams this past season, yep. and you know even going to this off season. So it, it hasn't been an easy transition. But then we take a look at a guy who, you know, many consider the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, and that is Devontae Adams. They would project next year in the 2022 free agency class that Devontae Adams would also get a five-year deal in excess of 124, let's just call it 125 million, Randy. Let's just round it up. And that would effectively be $25 million a year for a wide receiver. No way he gets it. Just saying that right now. What's that? No way he's getting that. Just saying that right now. Wow. You don't think so? Look, he's almost 30. um, And I think his success is completely contingent on Aaron Rodgers being his quarterback. So if you don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore and you also trade him somewhere else, it, it really depends on the quarterback situation for me. Okay. I I, I think he's great. I, I, I think he's really good. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's, he's amazing. And he's like the only legitimate threat that the Packers have at wide receiver. But I think Rodgers has a lot to do with that. And when you're getting perfect passes thrown your way all the time, I think it helps. I, I agree. I, I, I do think that, the quarterback is going to play to Devontae Adams either detriment or to his benefit. Um, I, I think. I mean, Devontae, couldn't you see a hundred million? Can you see five for a hundred and pushing that down to twenty? Like that's. I just think that's more realistic. I would. Think He'd it, still be a top five paid wide receiver in the league. I, I will say this, and this gives us an opportunity to take a look at this chart in some greater detail. When we take a look at these wide receivers, make no mistake, you have Allen Robinson on this list. You mm-hmm. have Chris Godwin on this list. You have Cortland Sutton. You have Juju Smith-Schuster. So the wide receiver market, you're going to have some options here. Now, I think there's a big drop-off after the first three. I love Cortland Sutton, but you kind of wanted to see more from him this last year. But with his torn ACL, you're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. But you see Allen Robinson at four years, $80 million, you know, $20 million per year. I think that is the perfect price tag for Allen Robinson. It makes sense for teams. It makes sense for the player. I think that's a good I agree. Deal. Yeah. Especially if he signs it with a team with a good quarterback. Um, and that, that deal is going to look even better because he's put up all these great numbers and elevated the play of bad quarterbacks always so far in his career. So I agree. I think uh, Allen Robinson, that's, that's realistic for him for sure. 
Oh yeah, and, and he's younger than Devontae Adams now. Yes, and been more consistent. Devontae Adams obviously had great years recently, but was not as good as he once was. Uh, um, I mean, we're not as good as he is now previously. Yeah, and, and if I were the Bears, I don't know why they haven't offered this deal yet. I mean, I, I, I know they're shy about going twenty million for him, but you're paying them eighteen and a half right now. He, I mean, tell me he wouldn't be Justin Fields' best friend. You know what I mean? You have a young quarterback. You need a, a, a solid receiver for him to be his uh, safety valve. Yep. And, and then we see Chris Godwin at 24 years old. He's going to hit mm-hmm. the market, Randy. And yep. they're saying a four-year, $68 million deal. Uh, this that would be one, a steal. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> there is no way he's taking a four-year, $68 million deal. I think that I think he's going to get paid. Yeah, me too. I, I think you're looking at over a hundred for him for five years. I think he's going to be around that twenty million dollar range too. Yeah, I, I think just so. his age alone. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's young, um, who has performed very well, uh, pretty much always in his career, besides maybe his rookie year. So he, I, even if he's not a wide receiver one, which I think he is, uh, he's still going to warrant that sort of payday just because how he's played with the Bucks and uh, his relationship with Brady. I think is certainly going to go a long way as well, and his play in the postseason. The other guy, the other receiver, Cortland Sutton. I, I think this year is going to be huge for him on how much he's going to make because it reminds me of sort of the Kenny Galladay situation this all past off season because Kenny Galladay was consistently hurt. Um, you didn't really know what the market was going to get for Kenny Galladay. And the, the Giants signed him to a four-year deal worth $64 million, I believe. But that, that's the figures on that. And that was – no one else was offering that. So the Giants basically, you know, was, were, was giving him the years and the money and hoping that he's going to stay healthy here. The Cortland Sutton at his peak might be better than Kenny Galladay. So we'll see how he bounces back off of that knee injury and see how much uh, teams are willing to give him next year. Yeah, in Cortland Sutton's deal, you take a look at five years, eighty-three million, and that'd be sixteen point six million per year. To me, that's based off of a lot of what he could be. I mean, he's he's twenty-five years old, so you're looking at a five-year deal. Not not a terrible deal, but I'd be interested this year. That that number is either going to go up or it's going to go down. So. Um, a lot of fluidity with him. I, there's no way I think Chris Godwin's numbers go down. They, they no. are going to go up. Um, yep. And, and Allen Robinson, it's going to be really interesting with Robinson, with Andy Dalton as his quarterback, because the longer Dalton plays, you have to figure that's going to hurt Allen Robinson. So I think getting Justin Fields in there sooner helps out Allen Robinson's numbers if Justin Fields is good. Um a couple of things I wanted to pull up here specifically since, you know, some value to some of our members. Um, Fred Warner here, San Francisco 49ers linebacker, Henry Molinaro Jr., you know, host of Dong City. He loves himself some Fred Warner. He's a relatively young linebacker, Randy, at uh-huh. age 24. They're projecting five years, $86 million, let's say, and uh-huh. $17 million per year. That would be his market value. I'm sorry, I'm not paying a linebacker that type of money. Well, they also have him labeled here as an outside linebacker. And to me, he's more of a traditional inside linebacker, a Mike linebacker. And you need that. It's valuable to a defense. But to me, when you're paying a guy nearly $20 million a year, he's got to play one of those 
value positions to me. You're got he's got to play offensive line, a tackle position, a pass rusher, uh, maybe an outside receiver, um, and maybe even a corner if you're one of the high end guys. But I have a hard time. I, I think linebackers are not quite the level of running backs for me. I don't think they're quite the diamond dozen that running backs are, but I do think they are ultimately replaceable. So I would be a little weary of paying Fred Warner that. But uh, I got. But that said, he is only 24 years old and he's a damn good linebacker. So if he did get a solid contract, maybe from the Niners, I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, I agree. And one of my favorite topics here is the New Orleans Saints cap situation. Oh, Jesus. Like, I never get tired of talking about this. Look, they have two guys on here that are going to demand a lot of money. Let's take a look yeah. at tackles first. Left tackles are not cheap, Randy. I think we all know that. It's yeah. kind of a pricey commodity. Um, you want to buy low and sell high on left tackles if you can. Um, yep. So Teron Armstead, he's 29 years old. Tackles, I don't worry about age so much. I, I think they can play into their late 30s. Maybe not at that elite level, but still at a high level. But yep. They're looking at four years at $95 million and basically $24 million per. I think you got to pay it, but really? man, that hurts. So here's my thing with the Saints. I, I kind of feel like they're going to enter a rebuilding mode here uh, soon. Um, I don't know how well the James ex uh, Winston experiment is going to go or the Taysom Hill experience is going to go. I think in a post-Drew Brees world, uh, they're going to be in a bit of a in, in no man's land. And I wouldn't be shocked if they don't pay some of these higher contracts. And I think you'd look at Armstead and he's 29. And maybe by the time they try to look to sign him, he's 30. Maybe they do let him walk. Maybe there's a sign and trade involved. Uh, maybe there's a transition tag. I just, I don't know if you should commit to a guy already that age when you could probably reinvest in the line through the draft to try to save yourself a little bit of money, especially when you don't know what your quarterback situation is quite yet. So that, that to me is how I would approach it if I was the saints, but I don't know. I don't know. Really, I still have no idea what to make of new Orleans going forward. Yeah. Because then they have a 24 year old corner on the market. Who I'd rather pay. Yeah. And, and pay is the right word there because you're looking at yeah. a six year, hundred million dollar deal but yeah. it averages out to about 16.7 million per year. He's I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. Marshawn Lattimore here. I think mm -hmm. he's a great cornerback. He's going to play in the NFL for a very long time. And I agree with you. You pay him, try to trade Armstead, tag him and trade him if you can. We saw how well that worked out with another tackle on our list, Randy, with Orlando Brown Jr. Mm hmm. I mean, look, the, the KC has a uh, has something pretty valuable, I would say, in a quarterback uh, <laughs> that they have him signed for the next ten years. So uh, Orlando Brown is going to get paid as long as he plays well. So if he as long as he's protecting Patrick Mahomes at a high level, then the, the Chiefs are going to figure out a way to pay him whatever he wants. Okay, I got I have two guys I want to talk about. Then we'll move to our 2023 class. Um, you know, I had to do this, Randy. There's a running back on this list. Nick Chubb, Cleveland running back, so 25 years old. They're looking at a length of four years and $48.5 million. Let's just call it 48.5. And we're looking at about a $12.12 million a year cap hit there. Yeah. This feels right to me. I like that deal. Me too. And I, I'm not a big running backs 
you know, paying running backs person, but Nick Chubb really is one of the premier running backs in the league now. Uh, and he is sort of the identity of the Cleveland Browns at this point, because they are a run first uh, ball control type team. And he fits that style perfectly for them. And I don't think this is an overpay paying him 12 million a year, I think is about right. Like you said, I think that's a good average. I don't think it's the length is too bad because he'd still not even be 30 by the end of that contract. So uh, I think the Browns, you know, should pounce on that. Yep. And then I, this this one worries me a little bit because I feel kind of like uh, two steps forward, one fo- one step back with the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Mike Gusecki, 25-year-old tight end, yeah. they are looking at a three-year deal at $30 million, which comes out to about $10 million per year with the change. Yeah. I Mike Gusecki showed me enough last year where I believe in the kid. Yeah. I, I think the kid can play football at a high level in a position where you can create matchups and win because of. And to me, this feels like the market is depressing his value. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I think it's a good deal for the Dolphins. Uh, I don't think it's when I look at like certain positions and contracts, I like, is this a backbreaker for your cap? And to me, this isn't that like he, he wouldn't even be like the 10th highest paid person on their team most likely. So I think he's a good player that uh, benefit that, that is a benefit to their team. So if that you're not committing long-term, you're not paying a high annual salary. I think it makes a ton of sense for Miami. I mean, if he plays really well and ends up getting paid this free agency, I wouldn't be shocked either, but to me three for 30, I mean, it just sounds right. I, yeah, I mean, it's right for the team, wrong for the player, I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to see five for 85 here for wow. for a tight end. Um, I think that's Travis Kelsey range. Um, you think he's Travis Kelsey, though? Because that's me. That, that worries me. I think it depends on the system you run. I, I, I feel like he's valuable. He might be a little bit more George Kittle, you know, a poor man's George Kittle, wow. than a rich than a Travis Kelsey type. So you think he's a top five tight end, Ben, basically? I do. I, I do think by the end of this okay. year, he'll be a top five tight end. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. That wraps up our 2022 free agency class. Now looking ahead, Randy, you may want to guard your wallet here because some big bucks are going to be getting shelled out. I don't want to. Quarterbacks. And there are some expensive ones here. Our number one quarterback on the board for this one is going to be Lamar Jackson. They are projecting at age 24, he would get a four-year deal for $171 million. That averages right under $43 million. Big yikes. Look, I think Lamar Jackson's a fantastic player. I, I, I love watching Lamar Jackson on my football screen. I think he offers a lot of dynamics that really make him entertaining. I think if you want to beat the best of the best teams, your quarterback has to be able to throw accurately outside of the numbers. Yep. And Lamar Jackson, $43 million is a lot of money. We're talking Russell Wilson territory. We're talking Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. I am really nervous about this type of deal. You can't pay a guy who can't throw the football that much money. I'm sorry. You know, unless Lamar Jackson comes out this year and shows significant improvement with his arm, 
you cannot justify paying him that money. And I know he won an MVP, and I think he was deserving of that MVP. But even Lamar Jackson would have to look himself in the mirror and say, I cannot do what some of the other top-end quarterbacks in the NFL can do. I also have a skill set that's unique and no other quarterback can do either. But what's more valuable as a quarterback position? I think being an accurate passer is much more valuable than using your legs. And not to say that mobility is not important because of course it is, but you're not elevating your receivers. You're not elevating your, your offense really with your arm. Uh, and that, that needs to change before I, I'm, I'm committing more than 40 million a year for him. I, I think a $30 million a year number is probably a good one for him. It's still a lot of money, but I think it's more reasonable. I would be very weary of paying him like a top five quarterback though. Yeah. To, to me, I, you know, Dak Prescott got that huge deal yeah. and you know, he's going to want to go over Dak Prescott's number. To me, that worries me. That's like, we'll put up Dak Prescott numbers then. How yeah. That? Agreed. Absolutely. Okay. Then well, let's move up to a guy who did put up Dak Prescott numbers here. Josh. And Allen. I think he will get this. And I do think he'll get this. Yeah. I do think this is a t- obtainable contract for Josh Allen. We're looking at, for another 24-year-old quarterback, four mm-hmm. years, $168 million, and mm-hmm. that comes out to about $42 million a year. Why aren't these teams giving more than four years is what I want to know. Um, I, I, You know, it's just how the market's bearing these guys. You know, that way he's a Mah- Mah- didn't Didn't Mahomes sign a 10-year deal? Yeah, I, I think Mahomes may be in a different situation, though, because I think – Keep in mind, the NFL is getting that new TV money, you know, that's going to, you know, flush or flood the cap with cash. And I think these guys may want to capitalize on another big contract, you know, get four years now, then you're 28, then sign your 12 year, 500, $600 million deal. So, okay. I'm just surprised that they don't. Josh Allen, these young quarterbacks couldn't get longer than that. But yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, you know, second in MVP voting last year, uh, Final Four has shown significant improvement each year. Buffalo absolutely loves him from the organization, the front office, the coaching staff to the fans absolutely adore him. So I have no doubt that he will get a massive payday when the time comes. Yeah. And I, I, you know, not to say that he can't get a longer term deal. This is just what they would say the market would bear. So here's the one, and I'm sorry, Corey Richman. Um, I, I, I like aspects to Baker, but to me, I, there's no way I would do this deal right now. Baker Mayfield at age 25 would be projected to get a four-year, $141 million deal, which is $35 million per year. This feels like a Jay Cutler deal to me, and that, that is not a good feeling. I don't like these numbers for Baker. I mean, I just think that it's the reality for the for the Browns. You know, I, I think he is probably the one of the the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback they've had in the last twenty years. So they might not have much of a choice. They drafted him number one overall. They've made it further. Uh, they made the playoffs, beat the Steelers, made it uh, pretty close to beating the Chiefs in the postseason. So whether Baker Mayfield is the main reason for that or not, he nonetheless is still the starting quarterback, and uh, I think that he is a huge part of what they do. I, I think that his personality and his competitive do go a long way and um whether his talent is the same level as the other two guys i don't know i think his arm talent is unbelievable like so much better than lamar jackson's it's not close but um josh allen has shown significant improvement 
between years two and three. Baker, I think um, when Odell got hurt, definitely got better, but I want to see him put it together with Odell Beckham Jr. and the entire offense. And I do think they have the right coaching staff in place for that. Uh, and they have the right roster overall. And I think that they're going to be the favorites to win that division and we'll see what happens in the postseason. But I think what Baker does this year determines how much he gets paid. And you know what, with the market now, and you said the TV money, I don't think 35 million is uh, that much of an overpay for a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and I guess I have to come to grips with what the market's going to be too. You know, quarterbacks get the big money. And mm-hmm. here's another name where you projected. I, I mean, I think we, I think we could say his coach hates him. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, so Derek Carr, at age 29. You know, yeah. Vegas Raiders quarterback. You know, we're talking a five-year deal here for 159 million at about 32 million dollars per year. To me, this feels like the market is just going to pay him because he's a quarterback that yeah. is not great, but he's fringe top 10-ish. In the ideal scenario, yeah, he's absolutely um, a top 12 guy, I would say. But, you know, you have more young quarterbacks playing better um, that are having success and passing the Raiders by, even in their own division. I think he could potentially be uh, one of the worst quarterback in that division, especially if the Broncos made a trade for Aaron Rodgers. So what does that warrant? Like if the Raiders aren't going to make postseason runs um, and he's the quarterback, you know what? Eventually the quarterback has to elevate the play of everyone else around him. And Derek Carr, you know, hasn't exactly done that. So I know he signed a deal. He already made over 30 million, I think on his original deal per year. So one shock me if he gets another deal worth over 30 million. What worries me here is the years. I know that quarterbacks play forever now, but he's already going to be 30 and you're giving him a five-year deal. I would just be a little wary on that. So I don't know if the Raiders are going to be the team that signs him or some other team will sign up to, to, to get his services. I have no idea, but I don't know if he'll get five years. I'll go on a limb here and I will say like Jacob Anthony Moses, who said that he guarantees Baker Mayfield will get that money in his uh, Charles Barkley voice. If he makes um, if it yeah, I, I'm going to guarantee if on Derek Carr's next contract, it's not going to be with the Las Vegas. And I, I can't even say you're wrong because if Gruden truly hates this guy, Gruden's got a 10 year deal and he's got still five years left on his deal. So you're telling me that Gruden's going to sign a quarterback he hates for another five years and for his entire tenure of his coaching career there, he has a quarterback he hates. I don't, I don't think that makes much sense to me. Agreed. All right, so now it's time to go to the GOAT. You know, a a lot of people call Tom Brady the GOAT. He is expected to be a free agent in 2023. And we are looking at a Mm 43-year-old quarterback. Obviously, he's going to be a little bit older by the time this comes to fruition. They're saying he's going to play until the age of 47, according to the market. Please, no. $57 million for an average annual value of $28.6 million a year. To me, this feels like the Tom Brady discount has flo- has leaked into the market. It is yep. They know he's not going to max out the cap situation. He's going to have players around him to help him win. I, I hope to God he's done after age 45, Randy. I can't take two more years of Brady. Yeah. I mean, even if he does sign, you know, he'll take a discount to keep the players around him. He's done that his entire career. He's never, never been a max contract guy. So yeah, he won't sign for more than 30 million and he won't, you know, cripple the tag, uh, cripple the cap on any team that he's on. I mean, he's probably still going to be the bucks, but yeah, he'll, he'll definitely take a discount. 
Yeah, and then a couple of other names I wanted to touch on here was one Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at a 26-year-old wide receiver. He'll be about 28 at the time, so we're looking at Julio Jones' time. Four years, right around $18.8 million. So I'm guessing this is probably market value for a wide receiver. And if we expect Julio Jones to get traded, we're going to see him obviously get more targets, more yards. That number's going up. Yep. I think yeah. that number's going to go up. I, I do I not think disagree. Calvin Ridley's going to be a very rich man by the time he signs his contract. And then um, I wanted to touch on Roquan Smith. We talked about Fred Warner. They're saying his market value as an inside linebacker for Chicago would be five years, $87 million. Well, let's go $86 million, $17.25 million. I hate this deal for a lot of reasons. It's the same uh, concept as Fred Warner, I assume, right? I mean, Roquan's a great, great player, obviously, but the, the importance of the linebacker, I guess, is a little different uh, in this aspect, right? Yeah, you pay pass rushers yep. premium dollars. You draft linebackers. You know, linebacker feels like a try-hard position. You get a guy that can roam the field and has mobility. I just don't believe you invest big dollars in linebackers in today's NFL, especially with teams spreading everything out so much. Agreed. Um so let's take a look at two New York Speaking Giants. Speaking of uh, positions that you don't uh, invest a lot of money in. <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Well, Dalvin Thomas so is I, not on the Giant anymore. So, you know, he's a Minnesota Viking. Oh, oh they did not update this. Yeah. Oh, boy. Spot yeah. track. Yeah. I, I will be writing you a letter. Yeah. Um, so let's just go with Barkley real quick. 23 years with an average length of, well, he's not going to be 23 when this contract comes in. But they're saying four years at $57.5 million, 14.3-ish per year. I I don't know, Randy. This one is a hard I, – I, I think it's a good deal for the Giants, actually, if, yeah, if, if he comes back yeah. to be Saquon Barkley. But here's my thing. We talked about Nick Chubb getting four for and getting 12 annually on that deal. Nick Chubb has been a better football player to this point in his career than Saquon Barkley has. Let's stop pretending that he hasn't been. He's been more consistent and been healthier than Saquon Barkley has. So now we're going to pay Saquon more money to be less reliable and not as good of a football player. Where's the logic for me there? Make it make sense. I can't for a lot of different reasons. I think part of the issue we see here with a guy like Saquon Barkley is with the torn ACL, and running backs, it's it's not as it's not a death blow like it was in previous you know years for running backs. Right. But you start wondering: is, is Saquon going to be the thing that drives this offense? We talked about you know. To me, this feels like we're paying you this because you were the number two pick in the draft. Hundred percent, what they're going to do, and this is what they're going to do with Daniel Jones too. 
And this is oh. what bad organizations do, Matt Bushnell. They double down on their mistakes. Um, Saquon Barkley, I have no idea what the kind of player he's still going to be. Um, but, you know, ever since it seems like when Adrian Peterson came back from his uh, torn ACL and won MVP in 2012, that this sort of, is sort of something that is pretty common to come back from. You know, it's not the career ender that it used to be, like you said. Um, but this this deal, honestly, wouldn't make me uh, furious. It, it, I still don't want to pay running backs, and I still think that's a, a lot of money to pay a guy who misses a lot of games who uh you i think this is a position that every time you draft a running back you get what you can excuse me you can out of him for the first four years of his deal and then move on and i know that you know they're humans and they're not just disposable things but ultimately i think investing in a running back is bad for business ultimately and this is the thing like if they sign this deal for him honestly wouldn't be that mad i think that's fine i think whatever it could be so much worse but the giants aren't going to do this the giants are going to overpay because that's what the giants do <laughs> you look at the Odori jackson deal you look at the kenny galladay deal uh you look at the james bradbury deal the james bradbury deal looks pretty good right now but he still is an overpay at the time they are not going to just give Saquon Barkley market value. They are going to make him the franchise savior and pay him all this money. And I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up being five for a hundred. That's all I'm going to say. If it's five for a hundred, people have to get fired immediately because you that, would think you would think Matt Bushnell. That would be such a monumental colossal failure of a deal for Saquon to get paid. Yep. Um, I can't even put it into words. I, I I don't hate the four years, fifty-seven million dollar deal type of deal, but to me, it's still, it, it feels like a little bit of an overpay for a guy that we just we don't know what he what he is at his best. And you have a quarterback who you really don't know how good he's going to be. So you have all these weapons. I'm trying to figure out a way to describe what the New York Giants offensively feel to me. It's like they got as many tier two players as they possibly could, hoping they could be tier one guys. And I don't think it's going to work, but you, you know what? It's going to be interesting to see, but you can't pay Saquon Barkley five for a hundred. You said something about what the best of Saquon is. And this is why I don't think you should pay running backs. And this is why, I mean, this is, you know, when you look at peaks of players in general, I think you already had the best of Saquon Barkley. I think the best you had, the best of Saquon Barkley was his rookie year in 2018. You're not going to get a better version of Saquon Barkley than that. So you should not be paying him as if you're going to recreate that again. I think that was a unique situation and then you're not going to be able to light that again. And unfortunately he's not getting any younger. So I don't think you can replicate that, that 2018 season again. Yeah, and I'm surprised I got Dalvin Tomlinson on here. I know he went to the Vikings now, now that we cleared that up. Yeah. But did he only sign a two-year deal? Yep, two for 22. I mean, that was a really good deal for them. Wow, yeah. So, I mean, they're looking here for his market value to get four years at $45 million for $11 million per or 11 That wouldn't shock me at all. He's a really, really steady, solid player. Yeah, now imagine if you could have got that from um, – a guy like, you know, you took him instead of Leonard Williams and now you have more money to play with. 
Yeah, the argument for Williams over Tomlinson is that Williams offers a pass rushing element to his game where Tomlinson did not. But I sort of think the Leonard Williams pass rushing is, is sort of fluky. I don't think it's a consistent, uh, reliable thing, but that remains to be seen. And ultimately, I think Williams and Tomlinson, uh, you have a guy already in Dexter Lawrence who could just kind of come in and be a little bit of both of those guys. So if you were really trying to cut costs, you would have just moved forward with him. But um, they traded for Leonard Williams, and this is what the Giants do. They double down on their mistakes. And so here we are with yeah and, and there's two guys on here um bradley chubb and denzel ward i didn't highlight these guys because i felt like the contracts made a lot of sense I, I didn't feel like you know to go over those guys we know bradley chubb's a really good player we know denzel ward's a really good player they're gonna get theirs respectively chubb's looking at 20 million dollars per year which is a pretty good deal for an edge rusher and then we we'll take a look at Denzel Ward at about eighteen and a half million for a cornerback at four years, seventy-four million dollars ish. It makes sense. I, I think those two players are worth that money. Yeah, I agree. Ward, that's right on the money for Ward. I'll say this: if if Chubb has a an outstanding year coming up with with Von Miller returning, I could see him getting a lot more than that. And you can't put a, a pass rushers are a premium, so if if he's available, I could see him getting a ton of money. Yeah. All right, Matt Bushnell, let's do a quick little fantasy football segment here before we say goodbye. Um, I don't know how you really want to go about it. We discussed a few different options here for fantasy, but, you know, it's May. You know, we're very far out from fantasy football season, but we figured we'd give you a little bit of a slice on uh, the fantasy football world and what's going on now. Um, I kind of want to do an early target thing. Some people you're looking at in a certain positions, Matt Bushnell, what do you want to do? Um, well, you know what? I, 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 there are some guys I agree, early targets. I think those are guys that can help win you championships if you pick the right guys. Okay. Well, I'm going to go position by position then and just say some guys I'm targeting as of now in May as if my fantasy draft was tomorrow. Um, this is obviously before preseason, before injuries, all this stuff. So uh, I'll just get started off a quarterback right now. Uh, I love Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's a guy you can get in the mid-round, maybe seventh, eighth round. Uh, it's not going to cost you a premium. And he has uh, great mobility, great legs. I think he's going to get a ton of rushing yards and touchdowns. Uh, and then whatever he adds with his arm is a benefit. So um, Lamar Jackson, basically, along with Christian McCaffrey, won me a fantasy football championship because of Lamar Jackson's ability to be essentially a third running back on my roster at my quarterback position. And I think Jalen Hurts is a little bit of that. Uh, and he seems like he's going to be the starting quarterback in Philly. So I'm all about Jalen Hurts this year. You know, I think for me with the quarterback position, I'm interested to see where Matthew Stafford ranks going to the Rams. I think he's going to a better offensive system. I, his his draft status may really go up. So Matthew Stafford's the guy that I'm going to keep my eyes on. Um, one of the guys that I think I, you, you know, you, you want to say that you believe in rookie quarterbacks that can produce. Trevor Lawrence is another guy who I think you have to watch his draft stock. But I think a Matthew Stafford, Trevor Lawrence, if they fall somewhere in the mid rounds, you know, five or six, that's the time to pounce on one of those guys. Yeah, I'm super interested in Matt Stafford because I think in the new um, system, Sean McVay, um, Jared Goff had very minimal fantasy value, but I think Matt Stafford could elevate them uh, even more. So I'm, I'm with you on that. 
for sure. And you can get them late. I think that's what's important. I think quarterback is a position you want to wait to draft because regardless, the difference between the top guy and the 12th guy is not as great as other positions. So, all right, we're going to move on to the probably the most valuable position in fantasy, which means it's make believe land because it's my least most valuable position in the NFL and that's running back, but you need running backs in fantasy. It's no secret. Um, they are the, the thing that make, makes or breaks championships essentially. Uh, and I have my eye on one guy in particular, um, and they don't have uh, – they traded, They got rid of their other running back, and now he seems to be the guy, even though they signed James Conner. But I love Chase Edmonds for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he's going to get a lot of the goal line touches for them. He's going to be the primary, primary back. And the only concern I have is the James Conner uh, cucking him a little bit in certain scenarios, but he's been there. He's played well already in certain instances. I would love to hear Corey Decker's thoughts. I don't think he's watching, but I'll have to get his thoughts later. But I love J- uh, Chase Edmonds in this offense already. They have stud wide receivers. It is a pass-friendly offense, but I still think there's value for the RB1 uh, with the Cardinals. So I'm all about Chase Edmonds, and I think you can get him a little later. So I like that aspect of it as well. Yeah, I think for me, when I look at the running back position, it's going to be hard this year because I, I – Originally going into it, I love James Robinson. What mm-hmm. do they do? They draft Travis Etienne. Yep. Um, with running backs, it's all about touches. I, I want a guy that's going to get as many touches as humanly possible. Volume is the name of the game. Yes. <laughs> so now we take a look at guys like Seattle. I, I hate drafting Seattle running backs because it never turns out well. Mm. So maybe a guy like um, Dalvin Cook is a guy you take early. I find he's gonna be, yeah, he'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely will. And then maybe a guy like, um, you know, they're going to split carries in Tampa, but oh God, I'm forgetting the running back's name and it's going to kill me. Ronald Leonard Jones. Fournette. Yeah. Ronald, I, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I, I don't like Ronald Jones, but if you can handcuff those guys, yeah, it's an ideal situation. I, I think Zeke's going to fall in this draft. I think Barkley's going to fall as well. So it'll be interesting to see where you can get those guys at, but I am not a huge fan of, you know, um, Chris Carson. Are you sleeping on my guy? I love Chris Carson. Seattle starting running back. I, I've had Chris Carson on all the last three years of my fantasy league teams. And I, he's only missed a handful of games when he plays. He's, he's productive. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm I feel. From, yeah, fantasy perspective, fantasy wise, you have to think about it from that. I mean, even if it's a junk time touchdown catch, it's still fantasy points regardless. Okay, <laughs> I, mean, I do like Chris Carson. I'm a Chris Carson guy. Yeah, I, I'm just not a Seattle running back guy. I, I've okay. been burned Fair too enough. many times. Fair enough. I, I wouldn't touch Rashad Penny with a ten foot pole though. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, we're gonna move on to wide receivers, and this is it's so deep every year with wide receiver. It is insane how many talented wide receivers are there are and, and are gonna put up numbers every year. So, uh, if you're a guy who targets receivers in the first round, if you have a late first round pick, like go pick tight end instead. Like go pick Travis Kelsey or George Kittle instead. It'll be more bang for your buck. Um, receivers are gonna be there. Valuable receivers are gonna be there late. Um, um, but the guy I have my eyes on, we already discussed him, but if Julio Jones gets traded and it seems more and more likely, Calvin Ridley is going to be that dude. And he has already been massively successful playing in a dome with Matt Ryan. I absolutely am all in on Calvin Ridley. Um, I don't know what his draft stock is going to look like with Julio traded. I, I would suspect he could be a second, third round pick. But if you could get him in the fourth round even, that's a wide receiver one. You're getting later than you should be getting a wide receiver one. So I'm all in on number 18 for Atlanta. Yeah, I think – Ridley is a really good choice 
for a lot of different reasons, but mainly the targets that are going to go up by a significant margin. Um, wide receivers, and this is what I do in my leagues to kind of mitigate the depth and to kind of thin out the waiver wire for wide receivers is we go three starting wide receivers. So you really have to know these depth charts with a lot of these guys. Um, this may sound a little homerish of me, but Darnell Mooney is a wide receiver to keep your eye on. As a number two option for the Bears, Allen Robinson draws a lot of double teams. So you're probably going to see a lot of that. And the Bears still do like to run the football. Um, another guy, I've, I'm always high on DK Metcalf. I think yeah. that's one of those. You love him. It's your boy. I, that, that, that is my guy. <laughs> he has some growing up to do, but yeah. I, I think he's going to get there. I think he'll be fine. But to me, those are my guys. You know, those are the guys that I think can be wildly successful. Darnell Mooney, DK Metcalf, Adam Thielen always pays off too. You know, he always feels like he pays off in some way. So I like Justin Jefferson in that aspect too. I mean, they're both going to put up pretty good numbers every year, I think. Yeah, because the Vikings usually suck and they have to try to catch up a lot. <laughs> Kirk Cousins time, baby. Yep. Garbage time's prime time in fantasy football, Matt Bushnell. Don't, don't discriminate. All right. The last position we're going to talk about, because I'm not going to talk about defense, fantasy no. football. It's just not worth our time. We're not going to talk about kickers, but the tight end position is an interesting one because there's two different philosophies you can have at tight end. You can either, if you have a late first round pick, you can decide whether your running backs in that spot are worth it whether you want to go by the receiver, but most of the time the tight end in that spot is the most valuable. And I would say specifically it is the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle sweet zone spot, because if you get that tight end, it is like having another elite wide receiver without having to pay up to draft that wide receiver. So therefore I love picking a tight end, especially if you have a late first, don't overpay pick for him. But if you have a late first or one of those back-to-back snake draft picks, I'd love going tight end in that spot. Now I think tight end is pretty top heavy here. It's, it's Kelsey, it's Kittle. It's uh, the, 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 the biggest tight end that's saving me. Yeah. Darren Waller is Felipe Malicio's favorite player. Uh, he loves him some Darren Waller, Waller the baller. But I, I tend to be the guy who waits if I don't have. If I have a higher pick, I will wait on drafting a tight end. Uh, I have ruined my life by drafting Evan Ingram one too many times, thinking it would be the year for him. And the NFL just shoved it in my face by making him a pro bowler last year. So that's fun. But honestly, I don't know what to make of Kyle Pitts. And I already mentioned one uh, Atlanta receiver, and I kind of am intrigued by picking a guy like Kyle Pitts uh, if he's available a little later. But I don't know where his draft uh, capital is going to be at that point. But I also love Dallas Goddard for the Eagles because uh, it looks like Zach Ertz is out the door and the receivers are still not sold on in Philadelphia. And I think Goddard could be the guy who, you know, has some success, especially in fantasy wise. Yeah. You know, I mentioned a guy last year and everyone kind of laughed at me, almost laughed me out of the room. I definitely did. So hand up for me on that. Yeah. I know what you're about to say. But um, and I'm not saying this year, but Jimmy Graham paid off some dividends. You know, he, he, he was he was a touchdown machine in the red zone. But I, you know, you, you talked about my guy Travis Kelsey. I mean, I picked him in the first round of my fantasy draft last year. So happy, good. so mm-hmm. happy I did. I would even argue that I would take Travis Kelsey somewhere between six and twelve in a fantasy draft if there wasn't a guy that I felt that could give me that production, mm-hmm. I think Travis Kelsey's that good. Mahomes is always going to throw to him. He's yep. always going to find a spot in that zone. If you man up on him, you can't man up on him that well. He's going to beat you. 
some form, either you're too small or you're too slow for Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. George Kittle is, is an interesting tight end because he's coming back from a subpar year, I feel. And Jimmy G or Trey Lance at the quarterback position, that's a lot of faith. Um, so I, I think there are guys to keep an eye on. One of my favorite guys for you know the guy that has to be instructed to do everything is going to be his quarterback and Jared Goff but I like TJ Hawkerson for the Lions. Okay. I like I, Hawkinson too. Yeah, I, I think he is really good. So I, I'm kind of on that bandwagon a little bit. Evan Engram, I can't believe he made a Pro Bowl. That's the biggest travesty yeah. in the history of mankind. <sighs> I can't believe it either. But yeah, the, 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 those are my tight end guys that I like to keep an eye on. All right. Well, here we are. Fantasy football talk in May. Uh, I'm sure some of our audience will greatly appreciate that. Um, but hey, we've been on here for almost an hour and a half now, Matt Bushnell. So it's time for us to say goodbye. But before we do, uh, why don't you tell us about the other podcasts we have under this Life Group umbrella? Absolutely. So on Thursdays, we have the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast with Corey Richmond and Jason Brooks. On Friday, I do believe it is the Step Back Podcast. Um, sometimes they go on Saturday. So if you're in the Ball is Life group, always kind of pay attention to what they're doing. And let's face it, it's NBA playoff season. LeBron's getting poked in the eye. Um, <laughs> the, the Nuggets are in a very interesting series with, I'm forgetting them, the Nuggets and the Blazers with Dame Lillard and the Joker going at each other. Same time, baby. Just fantastic NBA playoffs so far. So that, that's really exciting. And then we also have um, the Total Basis podcast on Sunday with Felipe Melicio and Sean Flannery breaking down all the fantasy baseball news. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if they're going this week, though, because they may be taking a break for Memorial Day. All and right. then and then we have Dong City uh, going on Monday, possibly. Are, yes. are, on Memorial Day, I'm pretty sure they're still going. I haven't heard otherwise. Okay, so be on the um, lookout for that with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr. Love the baseball podcast. And as for us, Randy, we are not going to be going live next week. We will be going live the week after. Barring um, some massive breaking news, we'll be back in the following week. Yeah, and I mean, it's June 1st, so maybe Julio and Aaron Rodgers both get traded. Then that'll be, a wor that'd be worth us coming on live, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it? It would change a lot of things for yes, us. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. But that's the lineup, baby. All right, speaking of lineups, you know what sport has lineups, Matt Bushnell? Baseball. And it just so happened that our two teams played each other over the weekend, oh. and we have a bet involving those two teams, my New York Yankees and your Chicago White Sox. Now, if you didn't know, I don't know if you caught any of the games this weekend. Very entertaining games. Friday was amazing. Saturday was kind of a bludgeoning. Sunday was a damn good game as well. Um, but the White Sox got a little spring cleaning over there in the Bronx. They got swept. What's up with that? Hey, man. Um, you know, injuries happen in baseball. Oh, and, don't do this. And, no, 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 just, just hear me out on this one. I mean, Yankee fans know this better than most, you know, with Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge being hurt most of the Always. time the past few years. So, I mean, with Eloy Jimenez out and Luis Robert out, it affects your lineup, no, no, no matter how you want to cut it. And the White Sox were playing above their heads, I believe. When Luis Robert got hurt, I thought, you know, this team's not going to be able to do much 
and they were able to sustain something for a little while. But I think the Lurie Garcias, the Billy Hamiltons, the, you know, Adam Eden's not playing well. It's finally catching up to them. It has finally bit them in the butt. Um, I still think it's a playoff team. Mm-hmm. I tip my cap to the Yankees starters, especially. Um, just a really outstanding performance from guys like, I mean, Cole, we expect it. You know, I, I don't think, you know, you could say otherwise, but guys like Talion, who actually pitched a pretty good game. And Jordan then, Montgomery was lights out Friday too. Absolutely. So, I mean, the bullpen was kind of suspect for the Yankees. Um, yeah. It was nice seeing Chapman give up that solo homer to Andrew Vaughn to tie the First game. First run he's given up all year. Yep. So, I mean, either way, Yankees are a good baseball team. You know, I, I hate that it was your team <laughs> because I knew all the crap that was coming with those losses. But just a tip of my cap to you, sir. Congratulations. Well, look on the bright side, Matt. At least our bet is a season-long bet. It's not a series <laughs> bet because, you know, we didn't make individual game bets. So, you know, we're, you're still good. The, the White Sox could easily still have a better season than the Yankees. But for the time being, I get to gloat. Uh, about the Yankees getting a sweep and they need it. And the Yankees are playing pretty good baseball, even though they're losing three, nothing to the Toronto blue Jays right now. So uh, Bad. Vlad jr. Man. Yeah. The Yankees starting streak of not giving up any runs come to an end after Corey Kluber's no hitter gave up two home runs so far today, but Hey, that does it for us here on football life presents the audible. Thank you guys for all the support, whether you're watching us live on Facebook, participating in the comments, we greatly appreciate it. And watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the audio only platforms. We greatly appreciate that wherever you are listening, however you are listening. Thank you for making us a small part of your day. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bushnell saying we'll see you guys in two weeks. Take care.